Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome to the Bob and Sherry Show. I suggest you stop jabbering like a monkey house on visitor's day. With Bob. Hello, my name is Bob. And Sherry. You thought I was a respectable woman with the soul of an adventuress, whereas I'm really an adventuress with the soul of a respectable woman. And now from the palatial Bob and Sherry studios, it's Bob and Sherry. So I read a really fascinating article about a plant that may give you all of the benefits of the Ozempic or Wegovy weight loss drugs with none of those nasty side effects. It's called the red roselle plant. And um, it, it apparently blocks the body from forming new fat cells. And the scientists in Australia who are studying this said that there's something in the plant that stops the body from absorbing fat. So it's passed on as waste instead of being stored. And that would let you bypass the side effect of these other weight loss treatments like nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. And of course, when you go off these um, drugs that are meant to treat uh, diabetes, when you go off these drugs, people gain all the weight back. So it's, or most of it back. So it's tricky. And I'd been reading about an old school diabetes drug called metformin. That's Mm -hmm. a pill. It's dirt cheap. Now, the people that have tried metformin for weight loss, and it's prescribed for weight loss, they only lose about five pounds. But the side effect for this one is explosive diarrhea. One uh, gentleman who was taking it said, yeah, I lost five pounds, but somebody, ready? (laughs) Somebody turn the tap off. Wow. I I sat with all this for a minute and I thought, you Uh know, Like, I love the idea that we've got this plant now that might give you all of those benefits, right? Right. With none of those negatives. Then I thought about, you know, Metaform, and it's like a dollar a pill, and, um, you know, you don't have to do injections, and it'd be probably really easy to get your doctor to prescribe it for you. Mm -hmm. But but the guy that they, one of the the men who'd been taking it, when Mm -hmm. he described how limited his life was because of the side effect i just had to, <laughs> here's just call here's me what pudgy. I, here's what i ask myself girl you look so cute in that outfit but if you can't leave the bathroom what was the right. point that is a big downside that is such that a is, negative that is big downside so so, so now, uh where do, where do we stand or where do scientists in australia stand with that thing then because well, you're, we have, you're not going to be able to get that thing to market <laughs> and and have it become popular with that as a side effect. 
Well, you're, we're talking about two different things here. We're talking about metformin, which is a drug that's been around for decades. That's the one with the side effect. The plant doesn't have any of those side effects. Like oh. people taking the um, Ozempic and Wegovy. Is that how you say that? Is that how they pronounce that? Wegovy, Wegovy, whatever it is. I think that is, yes. The people who are using those those injections for weight loss um, have all sorts of side effects. They have nausea. They have diarrhea. They have stomach pain. Um, mm-hmm. They they walk around like some of them, not everybody, obviously, but some of the people say they walk around all of the time just queasy and mm. grossed out, which, again, is like a really high price to pay because like, OK, you've lost the weight and you look super cute in that outfit. But you feel like you're going to barf 24-7. Like, do you really want to put that outfit on? Again, leave the bathroom. This plant, this red roselle plant, apparently doesn't have any of that going on. So is this uh, just experimental at this time? Or are There's, they, it's they not to market, it to market yet. Yeah, it's, it's not. not. Okay. It's not to That'd market It would be miraculous yet, if it was. If it didn't have those side effects, it would be miraculous. It sure would. I mean, I look at, I read all these articles about, you know, OOO Ozempic. And mm-hmm. I think, okay, you know, like, it's like all those drug ads on TV, you know, side effects may include. And then they list all these horrible things. And, <laughs> yeah. and you, you always say to yourself, like, yeah, I know that's a possibility, but how it likely won't happen is to me. that? And mm-hmm. how many right. people does that really happen to? And right. would that really happen to me? So, I don't know. It's intriguing, but I do like the idea of a plant that would allow you to leave the bathroom sometimes. <laughs> it, it it would make it more comfortable. I agree. Well, right, bring com- it on, Australia. Coming up on today's show and morons in the news. You've heard of Cocaine Bear. We've got Cocaine Cat. Plus, we're going to take you down the rabbit hole. Tuesdays Tuesdays for me are just like the most awful day of the week. You know, the weekend is so far away. Tuesday just feels like one long, dreary, windowless gray room. But we've got a rabbit hole today that's going to turn it all around for you, along with comedian Michael Glatzmeyer and the test for clown phobia. It's Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry books, swag, and the mother of all mothers merch. Just hit shop at bobandsherry.com. You know, unless you came from family money, you probably at one point or another in your life, and maybe it was during college if you were lucky enough to go, or maybe it was when you just got out of high school and you had to start off all by yourself like like me. You know what it is to be broke. And if you can smile through that period in your life, you are a strong person who eventually will succeed. I was cracking up reading times people who were broke just laughed through the pain. You want to hear a few of these folks and what they do? Um, this guy's name is Bob Golan, and he says, When I was young, I was poor, but after decades of hard work, I am no longer young. <laughs> I love that. I love that guy. Uh, Katie Hahn says, as a therapist, I can say confidently that while therapy is helpful, what most people really need is money. You know, that is so refreshing. My, you would be, it doesn't make you happy necessarily, but man, a lot of the things that are just crushing people could be fixed with some money. It's true. Got stuck in a, uh, convo with some wealthy people 
and a guy asked me how my investments were doing. Told him both avocados should be ripe by tomorrow. <laughs> a guy named Matt said, I've been making coffee at home instead of getting Starbucks for two months, which according to economists should have made me a millionaire by now. So what is <laughs> happening what is that? You know, it's always Starbucks fault. Have you noticed that in the last 10 years, there have been so many books about how to be the millionaire next door. And the first thing they always lead is, oh, you better not go to Starbucks. You know how much money you're throwing away? You could become a millionaire if you just stop going to Starbucks. Come on. I, come I'm on. pretty sure that's a lie because I make coffee at home every single day and I'm still bankrupted by my taxes. There you I go. don't think that Starbucks right. is the problem. Yeah. A woman named Abby said, I would like to think money won't change me, but if I won $5 on a scratch-off lottery ticket, I would immediately buy name-brand aluminum foil. <laughs> See, that's, that's, a, that's a real person right there. Uh, this guy says, if robbers ever broke into my house and searched for money, I'd just laugh and search with them. Yeah, amen. We've all been there. <laughs> Somebody should make a food app that connects to your bank account and only lists restaurants you can afford. Here's the coffee thing again. If your tips on saving money starts with assuming I pay $5 for coffee every day, you already think I have more money than I do. That's um, an interesting way to put it, it isn't is. it? It, it? It is, yeah. And this one just bottom lines it. This is from somebody... They are known as Internet Hippo. I've analyzed my spending, and it turns out my most expensive habit is having a place to live. <laughs> it's so, it's true. Uh, Jordan Belfort comments by saying, money can't buy happiness, but poverty can't buy anything. It's true. That's, yeah. that's the Wolf of Wall Street. Yep. Oh, Jordan is that, Belfort. Is that right? Yeah. Was, was that quote actually uh, in the movie? I just saw that for the first time um, on Netflix. The, I don't know I don't whether know it was in I the movie, it. but it came from Jordan Belfort. Wow. A guy who robbed money from people. Right. Robbed right. them. Yeah, you're right. And now we sort of celebrate him like, well, oh, bad behavior. Isn't that funny how those guys get away and, with it? And that people sometimes? who could ill afford to have money taken from them. Not He didn't steal from rich people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And finally, I've got 99 problems, and basically all of them could be solved by a salary increase. There you are. I hope everybody uh, gets into a better place as the year goes on financially if you're struggling. It's Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry. You see, that's all I could come up with because I'm an idiot with morons in the news. Our first story in morons in the news is about a woman named Crystal with a C, Moss. Crystal Moss, she's 37 years old, and she lives in Sandy, Utah, which sounds like a nice place. She was arrested because she tried to burn down the entire apartment building in which she lives. The police questioned her, and she claimed, and I'm quoting here, she intentionally used a Bic lighter to ignite a tree of life, which was placed inside a cauldron near her bedroom closet. According to Crystal, it was difficult to ignite the tree of life, so she poured a bottle of alcohol on it to speed up the process. Crystal said the intent was to burn away the negative energy, sadness, and pain in her life. According to Crystal, she wanted to burn the universe, but did not want to hurt anyone. 
Here's what she missed in uh, science class in middle school. People live in the universe. So if you are getting rid of bad vibes by burning down the universe, you have to give a heads up to the people who are living near you. She did none of that. However, once the fire started, she got her butt out of there and she did bang on one door. And that door was, of course, the fire department. She's been arrested and who knows what's going to happen to her. Oh, boy. Yeah. Let's go to let's go to today's moron of the day. You've heard of cocaine bear. Now meet cocaine cat. Police in Cincinnati, Ohio were called to get a very oversized cat out of a tree. And they did. <laughs> it's just like a cartoon, isn't it? The cat's up in the tree. So they, they yeah. get the cat out of the tree. Yeah. And they're extra surprised because the cat is actually a wild exotic animal, an African serval, whose name is Amori. And when they ran toxicology on the cat, it came back positive, not just for being an illegal African serval, but for having cocaine in its system. What? It is cocaine cat. It all started when cops were trying to arrest a man back at the end of January when this giant cat jumped out of his car and scrambled up a tree. Huh. Police on the scene thought, oh, that, that's a leopard. And then and they called, you know, Cincinnati Animal Care. Mm-hmm. Other people thought, no, nah, that's not a leopard. That's a savanna, which is a, a domestic cat, a house cat that's really pretty big. Nobody mm-hmm. knew what they were dealing with. And they said, in hindsight... We probably should have gotten a lot more people involved because getting the cat out of the tree was a real struggle. Cat didn't want to leave the tree. Police working really hard to not let go of the cat. Um, it was it was ugly. And when they finally got the cat out of the tree, uh-huh. that's when they realized this ain't a house cat. And also, it's jacked on cocaine. Where in the world did that cat get a hold of cocaine is what I want to know. He was carrying yeah. the cocaine for a friend, and they think that perhaps <laughs> it. Yeah, the friend's parents were getting a divorce. It was really oh, bad. Oh, yeah. It's so sad. <laughs> so yeah. here's what really is fascinating. Um, I'm guessing a lot of us don't know much about an African serval. They can yeah. jump seven feet in the air. Like, they're Whoa. standing here looking at you, and now they're seven feet in the air. Straight up. One of, wow. One of the experts in exotic cats told the Cincinnati police, I'd rather deal with a wild tiger than an African serval. Huh. And then he told the police, you guys did a great job and you're lucky. You don't understand that cat could have shredded you and killed really? you. Really? Now, there's, there's been a really happy ending. The cat is uh-huh. getting first rate veterinary care. Right. Um, they're detoxing him off of his cocaine. Right. And he's going to live out the rest of his days at the Cincinnati Zoo. Well, that's good. Yeah. And the guy that was driving the car that Cocaine Cat escaped from, he's cooperating with the police. And they don't expect him to be charged because even though it's illegal to own an African serval in Ohio, you're allowed to do it in Kentucky and Indiana in the two neighboring states. And because the the gentleman has been so cooperative and because the cat didn't shred and eat a bunch of Cincinnati cops, they're not going to charge him for it. 
The cat's going to live out his days at the Cincinnati Zoo. And Cocaine Bear is now the only animal, not the only animal, with a drug problem. You know, if I was a cop, though, I'd be asking the guy, hey, do you have any cocaine in your car that the cat jumped out of? Because Is that not a know, crazy story? Cat didn't, cat didn't go to Mexico for the weekend. That is a crazy Co- story. Crazy. We'll get that posted up with pictures and everything on the Bob and Cherry Facebook. Keep it here because we're going to take you down the rabbit hole and turn your whole Tuesday around in the best possible way. Plus, comedian Michael Glatzmeyer and clown phobia. There's a test for that. It's Bob and Sherry. Sign up for our newsletter. We never spam you. Never did. Get Bob and Sherry exclusives. Just go to BobandSherry.com. Police in Hanover, Ontario, which of course is in Canada, said that a man who was known as a suspicious older man reportedly pulled over and approached a young boy walking home from school. The uh, boy was offered a box of pot of gold chocolates. The student declined and the man insisted that he take the chocolates. And the boy said he didn't want them. And then the man said, you can give them to your mom. Why don't you give them to your mom? The police arrived and then discovered that in Canada, it was random acts of kindness day. And he was completely legit. Oh, wow. He was completely legit. He had the candy in his car. I don't know if he had other boxes of candy. And he saw this little boy walking home. I think the kid was like 10 or 11 years old. And he pulled over and said, I want you to have this. But that is where we are right now. And even in Canada, where everybody's so nice. The cops showed up because the kid was going to be given candy. I have no idea if he was driving a creepy white van. The story doesn't this say is, that. This is the most, I could cry. This is the most cannabis story ever. <laughs> I know it. I know it. I was so just, I wasn't really I'm mad, just, but and everything turned out fine. But you just say to yourself, come on. Do we still have in the U.S. random acts of kindness day? I can't no. remember the last time. I don't think have, we have, have an we official given day up on that? for it. Huh? We, I don't. I don't know that we ever had an official day for it. We, we did not. Okay. I remember random acts of kindness was a thing. How long ago is that? You and I were working together. I know it's like ten it, years ago, right? 10, 12 years ago. It's still a thing we talk about and don't actually do. But I don't yeah. know that we ever had a day. This is yeah, so Canadian. Right. I'm just. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to take a moment. <laughs> To go cry in the bathroom. Okay. This just makes me so sad. It all it all turned out well, and the boy kept the chocolate and brought brought the chocolate home to his mom, and the guy was oh uh, saluted as a as a really good guy. Don't take it's, candy from strangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry, go. Y'all know how I feel about Tuesdays. It's just a hard day of the week. It was hard when you were in second grade. It's hard now. So this is going to really like lift your spirits. This happened on a commuter train during morning rush hour. Everybody looked tired and sour. Nobody was looking at each other. People were reading or looking at their phones, napping, uh-huh. staring off into space. And right. then gradually, one by one, some they all joined in and something magical went down. <laughs> Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to contribute to this train ride by saying thank you. 
Thank you for waking up so early this morning, on this cold, wintry morning. Thank you for deciding to come out of your warm, cosy homes to make your way to work. Thank you for working to provide for your families, for your friends, for your futures. And so I warmly invite you to sing along to this magical song. Because it's not what we have, it's what we enjoy that brings happiness.
amazing. Um, I love that rearrangement of that song. It was done years and years ago by I don't even know who started it. But a lot of those people on that subway knew that new arrangement, you know? It's not the original melody line. It was done by a Hawaiian man who is no longer alive. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was his first name, and I can't remember. His last Mm -hmm. name was hard to pronounce. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing how many of those folks knew that. uh, A few didn't because they were trying to go the other way with it, but most did. That was great, Sherry. Very nice. It just makes you feel a little bit better heading into work on a dreary Tuesday, depending on where you are. We'll get that posted up on the Bob and Sherry Facebook so you can find it coming up. We have a great comedian, Michael Glatzmeyer, the Bob and Sherry box office and more. It is Bob and Sherry. Leave us a talk back. Talk back with the free Bob and Sherry app. This is going to sound kind of funny, but I took my wife Mary to a distillery for her birthday. It was a, it was a just part of a weekend we spent, and they had a, a distillery called Firefly. They make a vodka, but they also have a big flea market, and the flea market is fantastic. There's a band, and it was a really nice day. And of course, at the distillery, you could you know taste their products, and they have T-shirts for sale, and all of that. So I'm looking at all the stuff for sale. Mary's gone off on her own, and I thought you know I'm going to go in and uh, get something to drink. And I walked in and I thought, let me use the men's room while I'm here. And I could walk right in. But across the hallway from the men's room is the ladies room. And there were a lot of people at this flea market and in this distillery, a big, big distillery slash restaurant. The line to get into the ladies room, I didn't count, but I'll bet there were 30 women in line. And I just thought to myself, is there ever going to come a time in this country where when the architects design the building. They say, here's the deal. This is always a problem, whether it's in a baseball park, whether it's in a business, whether it's in a distillery slash flea market, where there are just not enough stalls for women. And we're going to build it so that we have three bathrooms for every one bathroom for men. I'd, I've never seen that in any building before where there were multiple ladies' rooms. Because it just takes takes longer for whatever reason. I don't want to get into that, but it, it, I know it's expensive to put in plumbing and everything. But if you know if you're if you're if you're investing two million dollars into a building, wouldn't that be something that would be very positive for your business? Now you, I'm going to have to ask you to speak as a woman to this. Yeah. So, like in a typical, think about it this way: in a typical public bathroom, the men's room might have four stalls and four urinals or six urinals, right? Depending Is that on, accurate? on the size, depending on the size of the, uh, of the restaurant. Of course, but men's bathrooms have stalls and urinals. Is that not mostly accurate? Whether it's yes. one urinal in one stall or 10 urinals in 10 stalls. So 10 men can be at the urinal while 10 men are in the stalls, thus doubling the number of men that can be making boom booms in the public bathroom. Women don't have the equivalent. We only have stalls. So why does it, why do we line up? Because in the average public bathroom, we start off with half of what y'all get. No, and nobody that's ever what, thinks about that. Which is why your idea is right. They should make they should expand the size of women's bathrooms since we don't have access to the urinal or God help us the bushes or the truck tires out in the parking lot. But why is this? It has not been done. I mean, this was a brand new building and a very nice one. 
that I went to, and they did not have that accommodation. And you go to you go to a ball game; it's the same thing. Um, I, I don't know why that hasn't changed over the years here's, in, the, in in America. Here's what I think: I think because most of the people making those decisions have historically been men, and y'all don't think about it. Yeah, but you would think that there'd be some women in the office. There'd be some women who are now, you know, permeating into architectural careers. Certainly there are that would say, hey, fellas, uh, heads up here. Let's let's try to be ahead of the curve. But I, I just have never seen it. Not in a sports bar. Nowhere. What what you're seeing now in like smaller places, you're seeing unisex bathrooms so that you don't have six women standing in line while the men's room is empty. Oh, so that's true just, too. Yeah. yeah so you're, you're seeing right. that, but like in stadiums and arenas yeah. and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. they, you know, you've got double the capacity in a men's room that you do in a women's room. So I think right. that your idea is, right. I think your idea is solid. And that whole, like, I get why we have like men and women's bathrooms in public places, but if it's a private bathroom, what my husband colorfully refers to as a one holer, um, if it's a <laughs> one holer, it might as well just be unisex. Like I'm in my house. You can come to my house and use whatever bathroom you want. Like I don't segregate you just because you're a dude, right? No, that's so that's think, true. And I've seen I've seen that a lot now that you yeah. mentioned it, where you see that that it's just they have the male and the female um, uh, figures on individual bathrooms. But those are generally smaller restaurants, you know, yeah, smaller clientele spots. of fifty people or whatever. We went to, I forget where we were, but we had stopped somewhere and it was one of these like kind of small trendy restaurant bars and I headed back to find a bathroom and there were four unit one holers to use Kevin's term four uh, one holers. One of them had like the female picture. One of them had the male picture. One of them had a family picture. And the fourth one said, who freaking cares? Just please wash your hands. <laughs> 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 that's how to that's how uh, to do it that may be the way we're going i know so anyway uh seems like a minor thing i guess for uh for some folks but i think women have been struggling with this for a long long time this is bob and sherry bob and sherry books swag and the mother of all mothers merch just hit shop at bobandsherry.com it is time now for everyone needs a laugh here is comedian michael glatzmeyer in high school they spelled that wrong on every award i got they spelled it Michael Glatzmere, Michael Glatzmaker, or Tyler Anderson. I don't understand how they got that last one. My mom, she had five boys, though, and she would always say she had one smart child. So part of me always was like, she must be hiding a sixth child somewhere. Because I knew it wasn't me. It was like my parents messed up on four boys, and by the time they got to me, they thought, this one can raise himself, which I think I did pretty well. You don't understand how difficult it is being a single father at five years old. I used to look up to my brother so growing up. I remember one day my brother came up to me and said, hey, Michael, you want to have a roller skating race? But with our eyes closed, I was like, yeah, I do. But what they don't warn you about roller skating with your eyes closed is sometimes a pole gets in your way. And a pole got in my way when 
I woke up, my brother was standing above me. He looks down and goes, Michael, are you okay? I was like, yeah, but did I win? He's like, I don't know, my eyes were closed. <laughs> we made my mom mad so much. Man, I remember one time we made my mom so mad. She got so angry that during dinner time, she grabbed all the chicken and threw it on the floor and was like, you can eat it off the floor or not eat at all. And I know some of you in the room right now are thinking, wow, your mom sounds mean. But at the time, all I could think was, at least she gives us choices. <laughs> some people would have had to eat the chicken. I chose to eat the chicken. And there's a saying I went by as a kid, and that saying is, it's flow chicken or no chicken. And flow chicken is way better than no chicken. Am I right, Gavin? You just got brownie points with me. Five boys, though. What went through my mom's head after having five boys? First child, was she like, oh my goodness, look, it's a baby boy. Second child, oh my gosh, look, it's another baby boy. Third child, well, I was hoping for a girl, but I guess I'll keep this other baby boy. Fourth child, she's like, I've got bad luck, I've got bad luck. By the fifth child, she's like, what did I do wrong? She's walking around the store, purposely trying to lose one child. Store clerk is like, ma'am, is this your kid? She's like, yes. I'm like, sorry, mom. Next time I'll tell them I'm Tyler Anderson. I hated being the youngest of five boys. Man, it's true. Here's why I hated being the youngest of five boys. It's because by the time my mom got to me, she stopped taking baby photos because there was nothing I could do that she hasn't seen a baby boy already do. One time I was like, hey mom, can I get a baby photo for show and tell? She's like, take one of your brothers, they won't know the difference. <laughs> I'm like, they're going to realize when my baby photo says 1987 and my class was all born in 1990. But they couldn't tell. They just thought it was held back for three years. Which makes a lot of sense. Because a little bit about me is I was in special ed. And some people, they get offended when I talk about being in special ed. Me? I get offended I was put in special ed. Like originally, I was just there to help out. Then they thought, actually, you belong here. Found out they had weekly pizza parties and I was like, I do belong here. I mean, I'm okay with it. Growing up, all my friends' parents were like, when my kid's older, they're gonna be a doctor. And my parents were like, well, when my son's older, He'll be a patient. <laughs> that That's is different Michael stuff. Glatzmeyer.
We'll post his set up at B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com, where you can also subscribe to our newsletter. There's no spam ever. Send it out once a month. It's loaded with all kinds of cool stuff, including contests and videos, and you never know what you're going to get at B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. This is Bob and Sherry. Come on down to the Bob and Sherry store with all kinds of great merchandise. Color me curious. Including the Bob and Sherry coloring book. A coloring book for exhausted adults. You know what? I'm exhausted. You exhaust me. Color your stress away. 50 fun images with lots of snarky slogans. That's correct. Order them for your friends and neighbors. Makes a great gift for mom on Mother's Day. That's music to a mother's ears. Or anytime. Or anytime. Get it today. Just hit the shop tab at bobandsherry.com. Instant access to the podcast, podcast, and fun side. Just download the free Bob and Sherry app. I've always liked the Batman very, very much since a kid. I used to read the comics, and I've seen all of the movies. And I am going to look at this HBO limited-run four-episode series called The Penguin. It is a spinoff, of course, of The Batman. And one of the things that I want to see is how in the world they took Colin Farrell and turned him into the Penguin. I'm looking at some of the pictures right now. You cannot recognize him at all. I think it's going to be fun to watch, just to watch him and, and to, to have a, have the focus on the Penguin, not as much on the, uh, on the Batman. If I didn't know that that's who was playing the penguin if i wasn't reading colin farrell i would never Mm -hmm. have guessed you wouldn't no they don't have a release date for it Uh, i I believe they're still filming i really felt that danny devito was a solid penguin and which batman movie was that where he played the penguin it was almost perfect casting it was insane how good he was he was unbelievable i saw a thing the other day and it was a uh, survey of who is the best Batman of all time. You know who is number one by 1%? Ben Affleck. Just barely beating out Michael Keaton, who is almost always number one. I always thought Michael Keaton was a strange choice for that, but after seeing him, I think he was the perfect perfect choice for that. Exactly. But when you think of Ben Affleck, especially recently with that long puss on his face, who is the most moody of all of the superheroes? Well, it's Batman. And he he played that really, really well. He was a really great Batman. You know, I'm so surprised that, that the internet voted for Ben Affleck in a positive way that I'm almost yeah. happy. Yeah, I know. I felt the same way. You're right. Keaton, though, um, Keaton was fantastic. He's pretty much fantastic in everything he does. Christian but anyway, it's Bale. Called- Christian oh, yeah. Bale was a Christian, great Batman. He was. He he was voted uh, one of the top uh, Bruce Wayne characters. He As played he that, should. That, he had yeah, that, that moody vibe of. too, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So anyway, it's called The Penguin, and it will be out before too long. This is Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry books, swag, and the mother of all mothers merch. Just hit shop at bobandsherry.com. It's talkback time. We can do it a couple of ways, all old school, like with the phone at 844-52-SHERI, 
or you can download the free Bob and Sherry app. It's in Google Play and the Apple Store, and it's super handy to have because you could walk around listening to the show from your own pocket. All of our podcasts, the Oddcast, Fun Size, True Weird Stuff, you can enter contests, you can text the studio, and you can tap the little microphone in the center of the screen and talk, and the app will do the rest. Hey, Bob and Sherry, this is James. been listening to you guys for 29, 30 years, ever since you started. And there's something you said a long time ago about in every relationship, there is a garden and a gardener. And in each relationship, you are either one or the other. And uh, I can't tell you the times I've used that. And uh, it'd be interesting if you guys would touch on that subject again, because I'm definitely the gardener in my situation, in my marriage. I used to be the garden. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but now I'm the garden. So. My friend. Anyway, yeah. love you guys. Love have a great day. I love James. I love James. I think I think we were talking with the comedian Pam Stone. I think that's where I first heard that expression. You're either the gardener or the or the garden. And I think she actually put it, you're either the one who is kissed or you're the kisser. And uh, by the way, Pam has a new book out. We'll have to get her on. I think it's a novel. Um but I remember talking about that. Do you do you think that still holds water? I, I kind of do. Totally. Yeah, totally. Although sometimes I don't feel like the garden or the gardener. I feel like the manure that gets spread upon the garden <laughs> to feed it and nourish it and protect yeah. it from the elements. Yeah. I, I think I, there are levels, though. I think there are levels. I don't think it's one person is the garden and they're uh, never going to move or do anything. And the gardener has to totally 24-7 take care of the garden or the marriage is not or the relationship is not going to work. I think there are. I think that does occur, but I think there are varying degrees of it. I'm not just the gardener in my marriage. I'm the gardener in my family. I'm, and, my, and because my family's so big, it's like one of those industrial farms where I use a giant John Deere combine, which is controlled by satellites and runs without a, an operator. Because everybody, everybody just expects me to maintain in my head at all times a running list of all of their needs including needs they don't realize they have yet, but we'll be having any minute now. And can I please meet those needs? I am definitely the gardener, James. I think I am too. And I, I, I think I always wanted to be the gardener in a relationship, but what I had in mind with the gardening was not um, an, an entire acre, but like a small uh, flower box that I would have to take care of, you know, Oh, let's go out there and put a little water, a little fertilizer in the small and and it just has not turned out that way. Now, Even with Mary, moments, with Mary, I think we're both gardeners because do she you, does a do lot. Do you really? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, even when I'm the garden, I'm not ever the beautiful, rare flower that blooms in a full moon. I'm a small, humble cabbage that you can eat or <laughs> kick around like a rugby ball. You know, I'm I'm whatever you need Why in that moment. Why did you pick cabbage? The because least sexy of all vegetables. Sure. Well, no, there's a turnip. I am not a turnip. 
I'm a cabbage yeah. and a cabbage can be kind of, you know, you get one of those purple ones with pink on the end of the leaves, kind of a sexy cabbage, but I'm still a cabbage because we can eat the cabbage or we can play a game with the cabbage. It's a very versatile vegetable and it needs very little attention. All right. Next message. Good morning, folks. I have a theory on why Sherry is not good at Wheel of Fortune. It's because she reads. I found the more well-read a person is, the more words and phrases they know, and the more options they have when they see the letters turn on the board. Hope that makes you feel better. Bye. That does make me feel better. I'm glad it does. I don't know about that. I would think you do read a lot. I would just think you re- if you read a lot, that you would come across those phrases more and more. No. Would that not be the I case? I struggle. I can count on one hand the number of times I've guessed. Now, I don't really watch Wheel of Fortune. Like, it would be on when I visited my mom and stepdad. Or it's on in, in a sports bar that we go to sometimes. But I, I can count on one hand the number of times in my whole life that I have guessed the Wheel of Fortune puzzle. Even I watched when it the other super, day. Did you guess it? Did you? I got one out of three the other day, and I was so delighted with myself because I'm terrible. You know, I don't even get near Jeopardy, and I know a little bit about history here and there. I might get one out of like six in Jeopardy at, at best, and I'd always be beaten. Um, the only one I've ever been any good at, and I'm not even price is right, you know, I would come up with like how much rice aroni is or something like that. But that's most of the time. That's just a guess. Has nothing to do with history or knowledge. I'm I'm killer on Jeopardy. But there was a Wheel of Fortune puzzle one time, and the correct answer was saving for a rainy day. And I hollered at the screen, salsa on a rubber dog, because that's a thing. <laughs> I would have said saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I know. It's really- that's a thing. Everyone, everyone who has a rubber dog puts salsa on it. Why did I not win the prize? I don't know. It's Bob and Sherry. Instant access to the podcast, podcast and fun side. Just download the free Bob and Sherry app. I think it was about two weeks ago, we were talking about introverts and what makes them uncomfortable and what makes them comfortable. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing posts about introverts all over the place. And I want to share a few. These are posts from people who are introverts. And the first one is Cometa. People always tell introverts to be more talkative and leave their comfort zones. Yet no one tells extroverts to shut them and make the zone comfortable for everyone. That's sort of true. Extroverts are not criticized for being extroverts, whereas introverts are criticized sometimes for being introverts. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, this one is from Introvert Problems. I hate the misconception that introverts don't like talking. If you're the right person, we will talk to you for hours about pretty much anything. However, it's incredibly difficult to find the right people. So for the most part, we just stay quiet. That's so interesting that this introvert says, yeah, I actually do enjoy talking, but only to certain sorts of people. Key says, I don't like agreeing to plans too far in advance because I don't know how I'll feel the day of. I also don't like the same day plans because it's too short notice. Where is my support group? You are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place if those two things you can't that's deal one with. Of, that's one of my husband's things. Like I'll say, we've been invited to whatever. And he'll be like, that sounds good today. But what if on the day 
Yeah. What if if then I don't want to go? And I I just, I always tell them the same thing. Then you don't have to go because life is short. And if you're going to be tortured by me, I'd, I'd prefer to do it at home and get full credit for it than take you out to a party and have you suffer there. So have, yeah, I have we not all been that. there though? Have have we not all agreed to go to the party for the anniversary of your wife's girlfriend? And it's like three weeks in advance, and all of a sudden it's a beautiful Saturday, and uh, she says to you, "Don't forget, uh, we're going to be going at one o'clock to uh, Laura's party." Oh no, I don't want to do that. Are you sure I agreed to that? Yes, you agreed to it. Of course you did. We talked. To- oh, it's just miserable. Uh, this comment is from Morgan Richard Oliver. I, I'm not shy. I'm selective. I don't fear speaking to people. I simply lack the desire to communicate with most of them. <laughs> anti-stalking. Anti-stalking. It's a verb. Learning a person's routine in order to avoid them. <laughs> Uh, you used I, to do that when we were I at did. the radio station. Yeah. So and so goes into the coffee room at this time. I will avoid that area. Oh, there! I I had it down for like two or three of them. There was a person who conducted meetings once a week on Tuesdays, and I knew that she was running this meeting. And if I went by that door at a certain time, I would have to see this person. And I just liked seeing this person so much, I would avoid and go around the other side of the building. This person says. I hate how I am a, I have an appointment at 4 p.m. so I can't do anything all day type of person. That's a person who is, <laughs> who's making, making up an excuse not to do something, which is baloney. Introverts have fun too. We just don't care if you know. I hate it when people ask me, why are you so quiet? Because I am. That's how I function. I don't ask other people, why do you talk so much? Extroverts get the benefit of being the default. Like they get to be the default personality type. And then you have this comment and you wonder why. Just once I'd like to see an article like extroverted. Here are some tips on how to be quiet and reflective. That goes back to what I was saying. The extroverted people are uh, venerated. Whereas introverts, you know, there's, there's something wrong with you and it's not true. My friend circle is now extremely small. It's not even a circle anymore. It's a dot. <laughs> Uh, Woo Daddy says, I'm the friend you can cancel on. I wasn't going anyway. I think what interests me the most about all of the posts with uh, introverts is the fact that they are not always shy. They are not always socially inept. They just are more comfortable being selective when they talk. Would you agree that that's probably true for most introverts? It is for me. Yeah, I think that probably that that's rings true to me too. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'll be in certain social situations that I'm not really comfortable, and I don't say a whole lot. But I'm running around you, you guys. You know, I'm running my mouth all the time, and it's the same way with other people that I've known for a long time. It's Bob and Sherry. You read it once. I don't believe that. And then you read it again. I can't believe this. It's Bob and Sherry's. I don't believe this. Shit. I cannot believe this. Shit. If you hate clowns, you're going to love this. They have developed a test that you can take to measure how much you hate clowns. Do you just kind of hate them? Or do you have what's called chorophobia, an absolute phobia of clowns? And it's one of the more interesting phobias because no one's born with it. 
it comes from life experience. The highest number of people with clown phobia are in Asia. Mm-hmm. The lowest number of people with clown phobia are in Europe. And and who can say why that is? I guess it has something to do with clowns and circuses and when you're exposed to clowns. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people who have a clown phobia for Stephen King's It. And some people are really afraid of real-life clowns like John Wayne Gacy. But there are a bunch of people that have a terrible fear of Ronald McDonald, who was <laughs> not meant to be a scary clown at all. So right. there are three there are three things that lead to people having clown phobia. Number one, clowns are human, but not. The facial features are exaggerated and distorted. You know there's a human being under there, but there's something about the clown makeup that makes people think of death or injury, disgust. Then the second thing is clowns' unpredictable behavior. Maybe you don't want yeah, somebody squirting water in your face. Yeah, yeah, that I think is a big part of it. Go ahead. Or pulling a coin out of your ear. Mm-hmm. Then there's the negative portrayals of clowns in culture. Killer clowns from outer space, John Wayne Gacy, Pennywise the Clown. And the last reason, the lowest ranked reason for having clown phobia is a negative personal experience with a clown. There are people who are terrified of clowns who've never actually been around a real-life clown. Mm-hmm. They're just phobic because of all the other reasons, those gross, exaggerated facial features, the painted-on mm-hmm. smile, the waxy white paint, all of it. So I'm going to run through the clown phobia questions, and let's see how many of them you say agree. So you okay. answer agree or disagree. All Number right, one, I'm ready. If I come across an image of a clown, I turn away. Disagree. I am sometimes on the lookout for clowns. <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> I think but I, I do watch, I watch a lot of cable news. So, I, you know, I have been exposed. Go ahead. Can you imagine being on the lookout for clowns? You're so afraid. <laughs> All right. Number three. If I you know, see a You know clown. what would be terrible for that person? I saw a photograph the other day of uh, the clown from uh, It, uh, Penny, that's Pennywise, Pennywise, right? A giant Pennywise face with that smile, the whole thing. Somebody inflated it and stuck it between an alley, two buildings, and they were harboring it in an alley between two no, buildings, you. four floors up. It was spooky. Um, number three, if I see a clown, I'm worried it's going to hurt me. No. Number four, I think about clowns a lot. No. Number five, I'm somewhat afraid to go to a place where I've seen a clown before. Mm, No. Number six, I would do almost anything to avoid a clown. Hmm. Maybe. I think you better say yes to that. I'll say say yes to that. I don't think you have a diagnosable clown phobia, but if I said to you, Bob Lacey, um, there are three restaurants to choose from. This one has a chocolate fountain. This one has a clown making balloon animals. And this one has neither of those things. You're going to avoid the clown. I'd I'd rather not eat at any three at all and just go hungry for a day. 
Um, you um, know, before you continue with these, you know what uh, affects me the most about clowns? I think it's um, the ability to be fo- the the position they put you in to interact with them, to be forced you, to yeah yeah whether you to, want to, to laugh at what they're doing. You know, you just you I have to you know just I don't want to have to fake it. And so it becomes, it's an, they're irritated. Not all. And, you know, if you're in the clown community, I know some of you raise money for children and charities and all of that. And God bless you for that. It's it's just the irritant part. My issue with that is, like all women, I've had to fake it a lot for a clown. And I'm not interested in doing it at the park. Okay? All right. Yes, ma'am. Number seven. I sometimes think about a clown trying to hurt me. Number eight, if I encounter a clown unexpectedly, this causes me distress. Uh, I'll go with a yes there. I'll go with a um, yes. Number nine, if I encounter a clown, it takes me a long time to get it out of my mind. No. If I came across a clown, I'd leave the room. Bob, you say yes to that because you yeah, know you're I would, the room I would, clown I would say room. yes. Yeah, I would say yes. Num- number 11, if I saw a clown, I think it would try to chase me. Um, yes. Number 12, if I saw a clown, I'd turn to someone else for comfort. I guess. Yeah, uh, no. would be there. No? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, next. If I encounter a clown, I have images of, images of it trying to get me. No. I, I, if I saw me, a clown, it, if I saw a clown, I'd be afraid of it. It's just the irritant for me. That's what it comes <laughs> down to. It's just I, I don't want I don't want to have to look at your magic hands uh, doing something to a balloon and be just amazed. Or, you know, pulling, you know, a canary out of your butt or whatever it is you're doing. I just don't want to have engaged with that. If I saw a clown, I would feel panicky. Clowns are one of my worst fears. No. Clowns make me nervous. If I saw a clown, I'd break out in a sweat and my heart would beat faster. I'm going to post this on Facebook for all of our clown-hating clownophobes. You might have an actual clown phobia. (laughs) It's Bob and Sherry. Instant access to the podcast, podcast, and fun side. Just download the free Bob and Sherry app. We had an adorable talkback message that we ran out of time for earlier. So my mom is a dance mom who called in one time and had to wipe her butt with the program at dance competition that night. And over the weekend, she embarrassed me at dance competition because she had a cup from McDonald's and she kept asking all my friends who Offset was because she had no idea who that was. I kept trying to make her stop, but she was so embarrassing. She kept saying, I know who Cardi B is, but who or what is Offset? Sherry or Val, will you adopt me? <laughs> hey, listen, well, me, always it's not going to be any better. It's not going to be, yeah. it's going to be worse for you. And Chit Chat's always looking for another kid to put through college. Yeah, Cardi B, right. Cardi B and Offset have a McDonald's meal. Let's play the commercial. My dream day with Offset starts like... Cardi, baby, get in. I surprised you with a place all to ourselves. Thank you, baby. You look gorgeous tonight, baby. We share our favorite McDonald's order. And we start with a cheers. 
That is so bizarre. With with in with uh, the Glenn Miller song in the background. Offset for your mom. He's a rapper and an artist, and he's married to Cardi B. And they have, um, I think they have two children together. I think it's two. And they're living happily ever after. And I am so sorry that your mom embarrassed you at a dance competition by asking your friends who Offset was. I used to embarrass my daughter at dance competitions by screaming like a maniac every time she hit the stage and then crying rivers of tears no matter what her um, placement was afterward. It's a mom thing. We can't help ourselves. It's Bob and Sherry. Now, let's open up the Bob and Sherry Archive Vault. I had um, a lot of kindness from strangers uh, the night that I left my daughter in her college dorm room for the first time. I did a very good job of not crying. Good for you. You know, because I didn't want to do that to her. I wanted her to just see happy, yep. positive, cheerful, focused. Yep. So I, I get, I had, I found this like hotel room for $45 on booking.com. So I figured, you know, mm. that um, me and the chalk outline from the last body <laughs> would enjoy a cozy night together. I'm telling you, I haven't heard $45 for a room in a long time. I'm going to say 20 years. I was a little apprehensive, <laughs> but you know, it was a it was one of those flash deals on booking.com. Yeah. So I find <clears throat> I find the hotel and it's um it's one of like four or five of them right off the interstate, not too far from her school. And so I I pull into the parking lot and it's one of those where the door opens out. It's like a you know what I mean? Opens out to it like a motel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a motel, right? So I go in to check in. And um, the man's like, welcome. And uh, do you have a reservation? I was like, oh, come on now. The parking lot is empty. It's me and and the escaped convict Don't you of John Wayne Gacy's ghost Don't here. you love it when they ask that? It yeah. could be at a restaurant. There's nobody sitting down. Do you have a reservation? So I said, I do. And I gave him my mm-hmm. name. And he said, you got a good rate. And again, I'm looking around and going, or did I? <laughs> because Was like, this a national chain? Mm-hmm. It yeah. was? Okay, go ahead. It was very, you know, it was very, it was spotless. Like right. the room was spotless. Good. So I give the guy my driver's license, my credit card. And he said, so tell me, what kind of day have you had today? And I looked at him and I opened my mouth to say, <laughs> great, how about you? But what came out instead was. Oh no, you're going to spill the beans. I just moved my baby into her dorm room. No. And didn't just cry. Burst into tears. In front of the uh, guy who's checking you in? Yeah. What did he do? He stopped what he was typing on the computer and just stared at me. And and I'm like... (laughs) I'm like completely like hysterical. And so um, you could tell that he just did not know what to do with this at all. You know the... The hotel expression will leave the light on for you. When he saw that, he was He's thinking, like, I'll turn the light, the light off. <laughs> so, so he did not come around and give you a uh, welcome hug. No, we just kind of stood there looking at each uh-huh. other. Now, did he say anything at all? Um, he eventually came up with, well, it looks like that's been a, a rough day. <laughs> Which you can okay. tell that maybe yeah. like he didn't have kids or whatever. You know, so, if, it, if it had been a woman, I hate to say this, she would have said, oh, hon, I, I, you know. He I was, know what he you're was going very through. nice. Yeah. So I blotted myself and, and I said, can I have 
a room on the second floor because, you know, since we're it's $45 a night and it opens onto the freeway, I'm just sure. going like, we need a room on the second floor. So right. I got up to my room, which was, you know. Look at, look at you splurging. Spotless. Yeah. And everything was great. You know, it was an amazing deal for 45 mm-hmm. bucks. So now I need I need some ice. So I get my ice bucket and I leave my room and I'm wandering around. I can't find the ice machine. I wander around the full deck. Now I'm still crying. And there's a man and he's leaning over the the second floor balcony and he's smoking a cigarette and he's watching the kids down below playing in the pool. I'm guessing they were his kids. And I come around the corner and, I'm <laughs> and, and, and he looks at me. He says, you all right? I said, I can't find the ice machine. And he really wanted to drink. You know what he said? He said, I've never needed ice this bad. <laughs> but... <laughs> Put your, you see down there? Good, yeah, right. You see it? There it is, right down there. Thank you. So I go and I get my ice and I go back to the room and I'm trying so hard to pull myself together. Right. Trying so hard. And every time I would say to myself, this is everything you worked for, it would just come out again. It total and complete mess. So. What I don't realize about the $45 a night hotel room is the door, you have to pull it to make it latch. Mm -hmm. So I decide I'm going to go cry in the shower. My sister wife said, just go cry in the shower. You'll feel better after that. So I, I put my ice bucket down. I go in, I turn the shower on. I unwrap the bar of French milled soap. Nice. (laughs) Sweet. I know what motel you stayed at. And I stayed at that one recently. And it's it's about the size, uh, rectangularly, about the size of a matchbook. It was so small. And thin. And thin. And and hard. And no amount of anything would make it turn into lather, right? Yeah, right. I'm in the shower. I know that's soap. I'm in the shower for 20 minutes. I get out of the shower. And I come staggering around the corner, and I realize that I did not pull the door closed. Mm. So any, like, escaped deranged maniac that had wanted to come in and murder me could have. Right. And that's when I said to myself, girl, you got to get it together. You can't be taking showers in the Chalk Outline Motel with the door open. Do you realize what you did? You put my future... In jeopardy. In jeopardy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Forty-five a night, looking at the freeway with a dude smoking a cigarette, giving you the uh, and my what's door up, open and your door and open. I'm in the shower crying. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I think the Bates Motel would have been actually a better Listen, choice. That was so selfish of me to do to you. Thank you. Please <laughs> try to think. Try to think once in a while, will you? True. Weird. Stuff. Witches, serial killers, and Paul Revere all team up in a story of why a very standard kind of courtroom evidence that could help condemn you to prison might actually be total garbage. True. Weird. Stuff. New episodes drop every Friday, everywhere you get your podcasts. <laughs> Fun Size Podcast, a shareable taste of the show at our website or the free, free Bob and Cherry app. I read a wild real estate story. So I'm going to tell you the setup and you tell me if this would be appealing to you. So back in 2017, just a few years ago, a 4,000 square foot spectacular mansion in Montclair, New Jersey hit the market. 
It was built by a famous architect. It's Victorian in style. So it's, I mean, it looks like a classic rich person house, okay? Mm -hmm. And Montclair, New Jersey is in the New York metro. That is a very expensive suburb. Built by a famous architect. It was um, home to a, a famous person named Aubrey Lewis, who was some big athlete back in the day. The house hit the market, and it was ten dollars. The what? house was on sale. The house was listed four thousand square foot Victorian mansion in Montclair, New Jersey. Ten dollars. It hit the market in July of 2017. The listing said you have until the end of August to do a deal. Now there were a couple of um, asterisks on this house. And no, nobody died there. This was not the scene of a horrific murder or crime of any kind. The house was not built on top of nuclear waste. There wasn't um, asbestos in the paint or radon in the basement. Why was this house on the market for $10? And why did nobody buy it? Are you ready? Mm -hmm. The house had to be moved. The developers who bought the land that it was sitting on were planning to demolish the house and replace it with a bunch of McMansions. Mm -hmm. And the town, the, the Montclair Township Historic Commission said, no, you can't knock this house down. Look at this house. Sell it to somebody. The only catch was that you had to move. So you had to move the whole house. So the developer said, the house is yours for $10. We'll even kick in $10,000 toward the cost of moving the house. So somebody investigated in the New York media and, and found that it would cost you $200,000 to move this house. And, wow. and of course, you had to have a place to move it to, right? You had to have mm -hmm. a piece of land to move it to. So the developer's going to give you ten grand, and you're going to get this historic 4,000-square-foot Victorian mansion. It's going to cost you $190,000 to move it, to the piece of land that you're going to put it on. Is that a deal? If you were in that market for a house there, is that a deal that you would have taken? I don't know because I've heard mixed things about moving houses. Um, it can be done. You know, they do it generally in the middle of the night. They have to take down, depending on where it is, uh, uh, telephone pole lines and, and all of that stuff. The, the bad side of it is, and this is just what I've heard, is that when you are moving a house, you're going to end up with a lot of uh, plaster or, or even wood that has shifted, has cracked. You've, you've got some structural problems that you're going to have to deal with. Now, maybe that's changed from years ago when I first heard that. Outside of that, sure. I mean, I, I, I mean, if it's a house that's uh, salvageable and can be restored and it's kind of an historical uh, landmark, yeah. They say that this house was so well built when it was originally mm -hmm. constructed that even with right. everything you just said, right. it was not, it wasn't a big deal and it was going to be 190 to move it. And then the cost of the land, they were unable to find a buyer. They had to demolish really? this beautiful, oh, no. incredible home. Now oh, keep no. in mind what I just, this beautiful home that was built like in the olden days when building materials were different. Labor, right. everything was different. We all know that a house like this is really well made. Rather than finding a buyer for it, it would have been 190 grand. They knocked it down and now they've got 
I don't know, like 10 houses sitting where that one house did. And each one of those houses starts at $800,000. Yeah, sounds about right. So you can't tell me that even if you had to patch some plaster and reinforce the foundation, that your better deal wasn't buying and moving this house. I don't understand how they didn't find a buyer for that. Yeah. Um, Well, I think it's just for some people overwhelming. I mean, it's hard enough to uh, build a house from the bottom up with with no problem at all. And there's all sorts of things and aggravation that goes into it. It's hard to restore a house. But to add to that, the actual moving of the house, I think for a lot of folks, first of all, you very seldom see it, right? How many times in your life have you seen a house moving down a street? I've only seen it once or twice. So Maybe it's, it's half unusual. a dozen times total in my whole life, anywhere I've lived in the country. I'm, my point is, in a neighborhood where a, a brand new tract house starts at 800000 you couldn't see your way to spending 200000 to get that? No, you're that right. That doesn't make any sense it's, to me at all. It's a bargain for somebody. You're exactly right. That's crazy. We're going to play the Bob and Sherry box office next. This is Bob and Sherry. Who likes the movies? It's the Bob and Sherry box office. Just identify which movie this clip came from. It's my turn now. Take care of my little girl now. That's your job. Always thought of you as a son. Always. I'd be damn proud to have you marry Grace. Harry! You take care of yourself. I love you, Harry! Think you know what movie this came from? Just go to bobandsherry.com and we'll randomly select a winner. You could win Bob and Sherry swag. Sherry, I can't believe it. I just read an article on CNBC that validated something you and I were talking about not long ago was what is the number one thing that destroys a relationship? You and I came up with the exact answer, the number one answer that Dr. Jessica Griffin and Dr. Pepper Schwartz came up with, and these are experts in relationships. We were right, and we were just pulling it out of, you know what? We were exactly right. What is the number one thing? One of these people is a psychologist, the other a sexologist. I always thought that was an interesting sort of uh, career. Uh, And they've been studying relationships for more than 50 years combined. Lack of a partner? Is it lack of a partner? <laughs> no, no, no. That, that is not it, but that's a good guess. Uh, this new book is What Predicts Divorce. And uh, I'm going to start with, there are four of them. I mean, th- these are generalities, but nonetheless, they seem to be constant with uh, relationships. I mean, 50 years between two or three therapists, a lot of time of studying people and their problems. So number four is stonewalling. That's withdrawing, of course, from communication. By ignoring, zoning, or acting uh, busy, just stonewall. Number three is defensiveness, protecting from criticism by using excuses or shifting blame. That's terrible, that shifting blame thing. Number two is criticism, attacking a partner's character. That's low. And you look at that, criticism is, is number two for tanking a relationship. And you just say to yourself, 
attacking a partner's character is not number one, but no, number one is contempt, expressing yep. a lack of respect for our partner. And um, that includes name calling, eye rolling, ridiculing, the whole thing. Having contempt for someone is the biggest killer of a relationship. And I forget how long ago you and I were, were talking about this just a few months ago. And we both at the same time came up with contempt. And of course, you know, uh, some We'd of that know. is just life experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You, would know. Um, you know, you just sometimes you look back on uh, negative relations, the uh, relationships that you've had and you say, where, what went wrong? What was the most toxic thing about it? And contempt. Number one, expressing a lack of respect for your partner. And it makes sense. Well, it makes perfect sense because where where if you have contempt for the other person, where are you going? Where where's the future in a relationship like that? Think about what it right. means to have contempt for someone or something. Right. Well, here's here's what they say. Contempt makes it impossible for partners to feel like they have each other's back. Instead of it's you and me against the problem, partners are now the opponents. They are now the opponents. They never know when they might be attacked. This often stems from individuals feeling that they are standing up for themselves, which is usually a healthy thing to do. But the problem is they are standing up for themselves against their partner, trying to raise themselves up while tearing the partner down. Well, I think it's bad for your health, too, by the way. That if, if someone, if you have contempt, think of something you have contempt for, right? Or someone you have contempt for. You, that, that, you give that person credit for nothing, right? You're just like, yeah. you, you think they have low character. They're just despicable. They ha Where are you going when, when what you feel for a person is contempt? And you yeah. can, when someone speaks to you that way or looks at you that way, mm -hmm. you know what you're seeing, right? Mm-hmm. So you just have to step back, I guess, if you want to keep it going. And, uh, oh, here we go. I'm going to say the word communication, which I hate. Um, you just have to well, step back listening. and say, we need to face this because uh, what I'm experiencing from you is contempt. And this is not going to end well for either one of us. I think listening is such an important skill. When we talk yeah. about communication, people always think, well, I'm, I need to know what to say. Um, but not listening to what's being said to you is also contemptuous. Yep. You know, when you just say to cure when, it, when you're just waiting for your turn to talk and not really yeah. listening to what the other person is saying, that's contemptuous. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can see a person who does that all the time. Mm. And they say to cure this, create a culture of appreciation. That is a big jump from contempt to creating a culture of appreciation. <laughs> it is. That is a chasm that you have to jump with with uh, as much power as you have. And really, I think you probably have to have a, some sort of a marriage counselor, somebody to get there. I don't know one if you can do the, that yourself. One of the challenges with that is by the time contempt has entered the room, everything else has kind of left. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's super late to try yeah. to start a culture of appreciation if what you already yeah. have is contempt. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, of course, the best thing is be careful who you marry. It's Bob and Sherry. Bring whatever you drink and celebrate happy hour. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, live. Live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. I learned.
learned something really cool that I want to share. So way back when in 1959, an engineer who worked for Volvo Cars, his name is Niels Bolin. He invented the three-point seatbelt that we all use today every single day, hopefully. Oh, is that We're right? all using it. Ah, and he that. patented it. Well, no, that's not even the interesting thing. He patented the design. And the Volvo company sat there and thought about it for a minute. And they said, you know what? This is such an incredible design. This is really going to save people's lives. We want to make sure that as many people as possible can use this. So they made the patent open, which meant that every other car manufacturer in the world could take this design and put it in their cars. And they did. Fantastic. Fantastic. What a guy. That's great. So they basically Volvo. they basically gave it away and you don't yeah you don't hear those kind of stories very often in the world of business because that's not how business works right right we're here right. to make a profit but for for Volvo to have realized I mean it was really visionary they they said at the time in 1959 when nobody used seatbelts at all right they said this is just too important to humanity to keep it to ourselves. That's fantastic. This has to be shared with the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. Did I you ever that know the, that? I never no, did, I, and that's why I wanted to bring it up today. Yeah, yeah. You wonder if that would happen today, you know? Uh, wasn't it, wasn't it, I forget who it was, the uh, the doctor who uh, had the vaccine for malaria, he had the patent for it. Didn't he give that away also because it would benefit the uh, the entire world? I don't know, I but I, so. I mean, I, I think you hope so. so, right? Yeah, you hope so. So the, the three-point seatbelt, which is, how old is that? Man, 40, 60, we're coming up on 70 years soon. Every yeah. time you buckle up your seatbelt, think about this. Volvo made it their gift to the world, and that is pretty yeah. cool stuff. It's Bob and Sherry. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast and the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate and review and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening. Tis the month of St. Patty's Day. And here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are one in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.